Hello, and welcome to I've Never Seen Ellipsis, where we pick a pair of movies either we both haven't seen or one of us hasn't seen, and we have a conversation around them now that we have seen them. So, I am Stephen, and I'm joined, as always, by Alex. Hello. Um, so, we went for a thematic, an interesting thematic pairing this time, of we've um, revitalised a famous battle in Oscar history. Mm. We're going back to the is it, 19- Isn't that famous? Yeah, yeah, no, it is, genuinely. This is, the, this is known as the Vietnam Oscars. Um, this is 1979 Oscars, so to reflect 1978 in cinema, um, <laughs> when there were two films, and they were two of the first films about Vietnam, the war in Vietnam, to be specific, that's very important, apologies, um, where Hollywood was dealing with the Vietnam War. And they were two very different films about it. And this was seen of like a very political move on to what narrative does the Academy want and what narrative does Hollywood actually want. And if you look at the Oscars won by these films, they're quite split. One of them won the big one and the other won some of the like heavy hitter like actor awards. These are two very celebrated um, films at the time, both dealing with the detritus around the Vietnam War, I guess. Um, but both taking very different perspectives, one of which has been canonised, and one of which has been kind of forgotten, despite being um, very big at the time. So our films are um, The Deer Hunter and yeah. Coming Home. Would you say that these movies really take such a different uh, perspective on the war? Um, I thought they did at the beginning. At the beginning I, of Coming I, I Home... I think they do. Because I don't think they do. I, I agree with you to an extent. I thought they yeah. did for a while. Um, I think coming home, I think the opening act, maybe not even quite the opening act, but the opening maybe 10, 20 minutes of coming home, I think are really very good. Um, and there's some very arresting imagery that makes the viewer uncomfortable um, with what is going on in a way that the rest of the film does not. And I don't think The Deer Hunter does at all. Um, I don't think that these are particularly either of them interesting takes on the Vietnam War. Um, or what it did to America. I think Coming Home is more authentic because it's not just some dude making stuff up, um, which we'll get to later. Right. Um, but I was... I like one of these movies a lot more. I think Coming Home is a much better film, a much better film. But as I was saying off, um, off recording, I don't think either of these movies are great. And I think one is actively mm-hmm. bad. What is your overall view? Just... So my view... I, uh, I'm going to go the opposite route, partly because it <laughs> makes for a more interesting conversation. But yeah. basically, I didn't like coming home that much because I thought... Y- you know what I really didn't like about it? This is a bit of an odd thing to pick up. Interesting. It's it's such a movie of its time. Yes. It's like, it's like watching a pop culture time capsule. Yes, it very and, much and is. And I, what I thought about it was like... I thought that it was counterculture sort of like sublimated it reminds like, me of you know, a like Warner Spielberg Brothers owns owns the uh, rights to um v for vendetta right oh yeah, yeah and so yeah, yeah. every time like you know people use that as a <laughs> countercultural thing they're actually contributing towards like warner brothers but my point was that it'd been wrong you know counterculture opposition to the vietnam war lots of very interesting th- thematic things yes have been run through this Hollywood machine, and what 100%. you get is coming home. I I, I actually completely agree with you. That, and that's why I pointed out the, the the soundtrack, which was so uninspired. It was just like just pop songs. It was like listening to like a really bad radio DJ. 
I don't I, know was... which is I like all of these songs. Yeah. The soundtrack is bad, and the re- the one moment where I was like, "This is terrible soundtrack," is when they picked my favorite Rolling Stones song, um, "Simply mm. the Devil," and they played it for a while, and they just had someone play a random guitar over it in a way that sounded so atonal and horrible. Like he was playing a different yeah. tune in the film. Like you've, it, you know, like you're watching a video, and someone's put sound over it so it doesn't get flagged for copyright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it just felt yeah, like, yeah, like it, we've, it, we've it, just we've just put some songs under the film in case you're bored. Yeah, because yeah, the film just, is boring in the middle. Um, so. But, yeah. but in this case, I just thought the sound of the editor thought, okay, here are some songs of the moment. Yes, of the cultural moment. Let's stick those in. Let's forget <laughs> about the mood of the scene. Let's forget about like you know good sound, uh, right, <laughs> you know good composition or whatever. Um, yeah, the Deer Hunter doesn't suffer from this problem. Cause you Deer got Hunter that, is a very well-made, um, terrible movie. Yeah. I didn't know, so I I actually liked it. I like the Deer Hunter, but really? there are a lot it's of problems. Trash. So there are a lot of problems. However, I so when when I read your review, mm-hmm. I I thought. Shall I, I, just, I, shall just I get up what I, what, what I wrote? Just that maybe, yeah, yeah, read it out now. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it because um, I've watched some things since. Blah 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 blah. The Deer Hunter. Oh God, I did not like this movie. Um, where are we? Where are, there you go. Um, an ill-disciplined, ill-informed, and bloated film, made even more infuriating by the successes of an early set piece. That's the marriage scene, which I think is really good, um, which are never yeah. capitalised upon. This is a meandering mess of racist imagery and pernicious revisionism. It's an ode to invaders that is orchestrated to refocus a narrative. It wants to focus on victims, but carefully chooses the victims and explores them in the most surface-level way. Behind its facade of grief and sensitivity, it's really a facile celebration of machismo and an elegy for the days where men were men doing menly things. It's also shortly written and already rather dumb. I do not like it. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. And I, if you don't mind, I just like to go through them yeah. like one by one. Cool. So, okay, ill-disciplined and bloated. Okay, yes. We're talking about Michael Cimino here. Like... Well, yeah. <laughs> this is the evidence for that. This is... Um, you know, he's an, he's an artiste. He's, you know, he's, he's very... He... <sighs> This, tell me the narrative of this film because there kind of isn't one. Yeah, there. What really? It's just a succession. A group of, uh, come on, you you wrote the narrative in your review. It's right there. Well, yeah, but that, that's what I'm saying. Working. It's a three-hour movie. I didn't feel like it was that long. Is it, but it, no, but it is a three-hour movie in which mm. basically nothing happens, and it feels like no, an excuse to what? get nothing to nothing happens. Are you kidding? Nothing of import, like. Oh no! They only go off to war and like well, yeah, totally no. traumatized by then, their experience. But, but I don't think and... they are. Like one of them. This is a movie where someone gets addicted to Russian roulette, which is so yeah. ridiculously that's stupid. A, that's a. It's a very like movie kind of. It's thing. so dumb. Okay, that bit I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like the ending. And I also thought that there's bits where I was like, yeah, this is, this is. It's just the film of Michael Cimino well, has a really no, good idea for a set say, piece. I will say one thing that so. Why I didn't agree with your review is because I feel like too often you're, you're trying to be like really objective about films, especially mm. when it comes to like sensibilities. And the thing is, this film captures an authenticity really well. I thought it was really candid about the experiences of the characters as viewed by the characters. You know, this is what their experience. But I don't of feel like they're town, really characters. Sorry, sorry. But I don't. I didn't feel a reality to the characters. Really? You, yeah. 
Because wow, okay. well, I, I, I disagree, man. Like, that was I, my issue with the wedding scene, because I was like, oh, actually, this movie's really good, because it set up so many dynamics, like, really cleverly and really visually, that the film just never touches upon again. It establishes interesting characters. Like, it puts these pieces on this board, and then it's just like, oh, um, here's some random Vietnam stuff. Um, now it's over. It wasn't random. Although I will say, it was... The, I, I really liked the fact that it was this series of disconnected vignettes... Right, and it was very because impressionistic. the man can't write a script. No, 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 well, yes, okay, yes, but but to me, the way that I experienced the whole film from mm. start to finish, it was very impressionistic. It was like these are the emotional raw points of these people's experiences, and nothing else. Just kind of, it's, I mean, it's quite well done, I think. It's a bit. It it goes from like, it goes from, I don't know, like a sort of raw emotional thing mm-hmm. from scene to scene. I thought that's the connecting thread in the film rather than like a very conventional okay this causes this this causes this okay fine right we sort of understand the whole uh the whole plot uh dynamics or whatever i thought that was well done and also i thought the acting was incredible and how i think the acting is brilliant i think the acting christopher think... walken de niro literally i mean like de niro in the uh russian roulette scene <laughs> one of the I 12 know, russian roulette scenes it, it, there's part of me that like thinks okay this is incredibly silly but at the same time it's it, I don't know, like, it's really evocative. A thing that those... fundamentally annoys me, though, is the, I don't know, the, the hubris of it, of that this is nonsense and that Chimino lied about it, that he claimed that he knew what he was talking about, had experience, and he just made up a bunch of crap, and he's dealing with such loaded imagery the whole time, and the presentation of Vietnamese people is heinous Hang all the way okay, through. This is the second point, you get the, your racism point, right. Yeah. Do you have an issue with the puppet guy yes. in Coming Home. You yes. have an issue with it. But really? Um, well, maybe not but, not but strongly, How are you, supposed to, are you I guess. supposed to know what 1970s America was like if you take him out of the film? I mean, I mean, how actually, that, to, that... How are you supposed to understand how the characters in The Deer Hunter saw the Viet Cong, whatever? If you well, don't no, but you, can, you can't stuff. put I just feel like... stuff the Viet Cong didn't do. You can't have your first shot of a Viet Cong person being he puts a grenade in a family, which is Phil, not a f- Look, it's not a documentary. This is, Film is about subjectivity, I feel like. And... But I don't think you can be subject... This is in... This is just after the war happened, and this is a controlling of a narrative, and it's how the war is talked about, and it's yeah, justifying which is, things. Yeah, I agree with that. I do agree with that. I think it's important to, to point out what you're saying especially given the fact that I do think a lot of this is like um, it, it's taking political action and mm. making it palatable to the masses or something. I don't know. It, it's, and there something... are things, like, you can make interesting cinema about actual heinous things the Viet Cong did. Those things exist. Mm. But to make up stuff that's just ridiculous yep. totally goes against that. I mean, because he got called out on the Russian roulette stuff. Because they yeah. said, you know, there is no proof that this ever happened anywhere. I don't and think that matters. Well, I don't his, think that, matters. This that was his response. About, it's not about like I don't think it's really about a fictional cinema. It's not really about saying this is exactly what happened. It's more like, but there's no emotional truth to feel? it. How did they experience? Well, that's why I think it's one of the dumbest. Because he said it's a metaphor for yeah. their experience. I'm like, in that yeah. case, it's the stupidest metaphor. And it's why, like, why do you think it's a bad metaphor? Because it's 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 disingenuous. It's this idea of like he said he's pushing this idea that these people their lives were like thrown away and like that's such a narrow view and so weirdly presented and. 
culturally ostracizing to make that point in the most farcical and simplistic way of it's like Russian roulette. And you're like, yeah. It's not about it's not about the the concept of the scene. It's about the delivery, the rawness of the delivery. Of which the actors, of the which twelve Russian roulette like, scenes are we talking about? Oh, sorry. <laughs> which of the twelve Russian roulette scenes are we talking about? The first one. Yeah, that is. I mean, that is the best of the seventy-five. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, it, I don't think it it deserves as much hate as you're giving it. I thought it was good. At, channeling a partiality and a subjectivity I thought it should get credit for that at least but there are really problematic things about it I mean, there are. It, there, it's, it, there, it gets very farcical I think sometimes but it's not I mean I thought it was not shy of engaging with some really like I don't know heavy emotional things which I think is maybe not something you see. I just feel for a three-hour movie to be so insular and to have so little balance, I would be more forgiving of if it was tight, if it was focused. But I'm yeah. like, you've got all this time. Why are you not giving me better female characters? Why are you not showing mm-hmm. me more of yeah, Vietnam? Yeah. Like, I get there's well, lots of people, but I've had enough after three hours. I didn't need three hours of people looking at deer and not hunting a deer or hunting a deer and playing Russian roulette. Yeah. And the symbolic, he didn't shoot a deer. I'm like, I don't care. It, I thought it was also a great, like depiction of the the sort of banal dynamics of, of machismo especially the bits where they're in the in the mountains and like mm. how i don't know robert de niro is like posturing whatever kind of is is yeah i thought that was interesting i think it's interesting but it's, i feel that the good, film like, is, a, is a little bit in love with it I, that was my take and i think you right. maybe disagree slightly i think the film is being like these guys end of an era huh it will never be like this again in a very nostalgic kind of way isn't that up to the viewer though? It's not really. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't think that this film is a political statement. I think it's it's what was it kind of film, but, yeah, rather then, than this is what the problem is kind of film. You know. Then that's my issue with all the artifice of it. That I'm like, then what is this film? Mm. Then what does it exist to do apart from show me an uncompelling kind of like slice of life that. And again, because it, it sh- there are points as film which are spellbinding filmmaking. Really, this is why I say it's ill-disciplined because yeah. it doesn't know when to stop. And there is its evocation of character in little moments is occasionally brilliant. And then it's just like here's a symbol in your face. Even the wedding scene, which I've said is really good, at yeah. the end where they're like, "Oh, if you spill the cup, you'll have a bad marriage." And then it zooms in onto yeah. her dress for like yeah. three drops of red. And you're like, "Oh yeah, the blood that's to come." You're like, "For, God, like, for God's sake, movie!" <laughs> yeah, that was a little cheesy. And, <laughs> and the guy that won't go to war but has his little gun. I got my little gun. I'm not a big yeah. gun like you guys. Me and my little gun. I need a little gun. No, but come on, like that's. I don't think you're supposed to emphasize with any of the. Sorry, you're not supposed to take any of the character sides. Mm, yeah. it's, it's more down to the audience. Who so what am I supposed to do for this movie? What am I supposed to do when I'm watching it? I don't know. Just like see it as a pretty candid portrayal of, you know, it, it's a snapshot of 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 lies, of of lives. <laughs> of, of, of lives. <laughs> It's and a... I genuinely think that he captured something authentic. If like if you talk to people from like Pennsylvania, like mm-hmm. vets from Pennsylvania, I bet yeah. they'd say yes that this he captured like an authenticity I mean, to yeah. the way that we experience 
what the characters in the film experience. That's, yeah, that's I, kind of where I'm going. I do, I do agree with you, and I feel that's very much the actors bring some real rigor to roles that I don't think are very well written, and that they're yeah. not put oh, into a good actually, structure. Apparently, De Niro went all out when preparing for this film. Like, it feels he like really, it. He really went to a steel mill in Pennsylvania and really, really mm. like he went on. He did the job. He like he actually got someone. Uh, from a factory that he worked at to work on the film eventually. Which is quite funny. Uh, well, that is awesome. He he brought in um, he actually brought in uh, Meryl Streep, amazingly, mm, and yeah. she'd basically done nothing before this. Yes, I I did read about that because I was like, why is Meryl Streep this um, movie? Yeah, and then he brought in John Cazale, I think, as well. Um, and then apparently he uh, did a. Whole, huge amount of preparation for the Russian roulette scene because I mean, like to take it to that emotional height. I don't know. Yeah, it's incredible. That like, it's, that scene is that. really good. I just I feel the film would be better if Russian roulette was introduced by that sleazy French dude later. It's the yeah. weird introduction of the leering Viet Cong people being like making them fight like the bloody yeah, yeah, Attack yeah, of the yeah. Clones arena. Yeah, it's yeah. just like I'm too busy thinking of being like movie. All you've shown me is just horrible foreign people. It there is a repositioning of this is a film about an invading force which wants to vo- feel very very bad about the invading force, and there is room to feel bad about that. But you yeah. can't only be that, and this film is a hundred percent that. And I do feel that's disingenuous when you are representing reality though not presenting reality. It, I just think it's difficult to talk about the psychological impact mm. of war without partiality. How do you explain how do you explain why people sign up, you know, to go fight for a war if you don't if you don't get the perspective of a Robert De Niro character in The Deer Hunter? Well, I think, I mean? I think, like, I think the opening just, third is really good. I think it's a, yeah. a third of a very very good movie. And I was watching it being like, oh god, because I was watching, I was being like. I've heard this movie's not very good, or I've heard that it's like okay, and I was like, this movie's very impressive. And then there are just two acts of crap. Hmm. So yeah, <laughs> coming home. We Com- haven't talked about it at yeah, all. Yeah, I, I, I. How does that compare? I feel I only like it really much by comparison. Um, I like a lot of what it it stands for in places and I very much like the very ending and I very much like the very beginning and the middle is just really quite boring yeah but the middle becomes, gets lost a bit it becomes this relationship yeah. drama in which I don't really care and I said this to you have a message I do have an inherent discomfort with the presentation of um, disabled characters by able-bodied yeah. actors and it's always just like yeah, I agree. Yeah, for sure. It's, no, no, I, I, I agree with you. It's gimmick much, casting, yeah. and it's very yeah. silencing, and like, which is a shame because the, I feel the opening of this one is brilliant because there's lots of shots going through the hospital, and they're very candid, and it shows real suffering and consequence from the beginning. I was like, oh, I'm impressed, film. Like, you have really staked your line on something. And the ending montage and speech is very on the nose. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It yeah. is effective, and those bookending points I think are really, really good. And the middle, there are some good performances, but it's just like, I'm, I'm bored. Yeah, I mean, just to go back to what you were saying about able-bodied actors, there would mm. be no Oscar for John Voight without yeah. 
without a wheelchair in the you know, uh, yeah, it, kind it, of, so it's very exploitative it is no 100% I, I really hate that I've always hated that and the Oscars love transformative yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. appropriative performances exactly, they just exactly, love them yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. look at the um, Eddie Redmayne for Stephen Hawking yeah 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 exactly and I even and, ugh, this year what's even more weird about that the Eddie Redmayne thing is is the casting of like Hollywood-esque mm. archetype and like totally effacing the the non-Hollywood looking person it's just I just find that stuff really weird yeah yeah I, that, that casting thing is a thing I never forgive because I'm always just like you're pretending there are not people that have yeah. this experience that have the roles and I get I, I hear the argument being like well De Niro's not actually from Pennsylvania it's completely different and to make that equivalence is to pretend there's a different spirit there is a difference between making a character an embodying experience and taking on a physical experience that you do not have can understand and are playing in somebody else's zone that is not yours to play in. Yeah. Because um, I, I saw this movie last year at cinema called Marvelous Brooklyn, which was okay. Um, and it's it's directed by, um, oh, him I've lost his name, um, guy from Fight Club, Edward Norton. Um, okay, yeah. It's directed by Edward Norton and it stars him in a one of these things go, this is such a technically very good performance. You do mm. a very convincing performance of somebody with Tourette's. You, sir, do not have Tourette's. Mm. And you're using it as an acting exercise to be like, look how good you are at acting. And it's a bit like, eh, don't like that. What's your thoughts on The Elephant Man? <laughs> um, I love David Lynch. <laughs> I, I, uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Just to I test, haven't seen The Elephant Man for a long, long time. Mm. Um, I would be just. I remember it being hugely emotional um, when I watched it. But you know, you do have you do yeah, have yeah. a John Hurt fundamentally portraying a yeah, hundred percent. But actually, remembering the Elephant Man, though, I feel yeah. the strength of the Elephant Man, though, is how it deals with human nature and how it juxtaposes the people dealing with the Elephant Man and how it shows them all as exploitative. I feel yeah. it's a film where there are great strengths and it's a classic. John Hurt's very good in this performance, but should he be in this performance? Probably not. And yeah. there are loads of films that I love where I have to be like, this comes with a massive caveat. I did a podcast this week about The Evil Dead, which is one of my favourite <laughs> movies of all time. Yeah. There's a scene where gets raped by a tree and it's horrendous. Like, there is a five-minute <laughs> scene that's like, this should not be in a film, but the film's still great. That bit, <laughs> ugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we go back to the Oscars conversation? Of course. Um, so I don't think either of these films should have won Best Picture. The Deer Hunter did. Um, I think it's very telling about the kind of like cultural cultural view on Vietnam once put out. I feel the political difference in these films is one is that the Vietnam War hurt our poor people, and one is it hurt us, and maybe it was a bad idea. Which is yeah. a, which is a difference. It's only and it's not pushed enough in either film. Um, though it's not meant to be pushed in Deer Hunter, and it isn't pushed enough in um, Coming Home. And I feel it's very much a political move to choose the Deer Hunter as the legacy film, and it has become that. Um, I made a list of movies that came out that year that should have been Best Picture instead. Let's hear them. Um, there are three that I haven't seen that I want mm. to have seen. So here are the three that I haven't seen. Haven't seen Gates of Heaven, want to have done. Yeah. Haven't seen The Last Waltz, want to have done. Haven't seen Midnight Express, 
I want to have done. And here is my list of the four movies which I think should have. And this is such a ridiculously me list of movies. Um, Now, I'm going to start by saying the most important film released that year, which should have got Best Picture, Halloween. (laughs) Okay. 100%. Halloween, like, invented the slasher, like, almost invented the prestige horror aesthetic and was, like, such a sea change for an entire genre of cinema and it's just such a goddamn good film and also captures does capture a slice of life of like the paranoia of suburbia and has some really good ideas in it but is a great movie halloween was the most important film made that year um should have been best picture it's probably true it's probably true yeah my other films on the list um dawn of the dead came out that year i would have nominated that (laughs) Again, this is a very big list. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the remake, came out that year. I'd have nominated mm. that. Um, however, the film that I think should have won, because it's Oscar-y, is Ingmar Bergman's Autumn Sonata, which is one of my favourite Ingmar Bergman movies. And I'm like, I get that you hate foreign films until Parasite comes out. Um, <laughs> but there's this great Bergman movie here, and it's getting ignored. So, Just going back slightly to the films you mentioned, the horror films, mm-hmm. has a horror film ever won... Um, yes. Or, be- or best picture. Yes, one, yeah. and it's. I mean, we've had some say before. I hate the conversation where, as soon as a horror film gets popular, people keep saying, "Well, it's not really a horror film, is it?" And you're like, mm, "Horror, horror is good." Stop. <laughs> when when a horror film postures at themes, they go, "Oh, I thought it was more of a thriller." I'm like, no, shut up. Um. So yeah, Silence of the Lambs won best picture. Okay. Which yeah, yeah, is yeah. at the dramatic end of horror, but is a horror film. It's about bloody cannibalism. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the only horror film which I will say in quotes to have won Best Picture. Yeah. And they didn't even get nominated because, but there are loads of genres that get ignored at the Oscars. I don't think Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood misses a lot. I mean, mm. so uh, the Oscars, yeah, miss so much. So it's not, you know, it's not like a. Yeah, because I know that I've been following the Oscars since I was in high school, and I know that every year my top ten of the list, a few of them are nominated for Oscars. Yeah, and if I was alive in 1979, I'd probably like, well, I saw these 12 other films this year that you're not going to talk about. Yeah. So there you go. Where is the bait of 1979? I don't know. And I mean, I feel so like what you just pointed out actually points out the problems I have with these films, which is that mm. Hollywood is really late to capture the zeitgeist. Yes, 100. percent You know, it's that you know these films came out three years after the end of the Vietnam War. Yeah. And it's just capitalising on kind, yeah, like a mass kind of counterculturalism, really, mm-hmm. rather than. And as you said, they they should have they should have given the Oscars to landmark films in a particular genre, but there we go. There you go. We're going re- to go back in time and give Halloween. <laughs> Imagine how crazy that would have been. The yeah. like, best picture is John Carpenter's Halloween. You're like, what? Oh. Yeah. That would that would have been wild. That would have changed cinema forever. One thing we can't really ignore is mm-hmm. the big, big, big capital B film <laughs> that came out the year after. Are you talking about the movie Big? Are you talking about the Tom Hanks vehicle Big? Yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, no, The Vietnam War, which came out the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think... Uh, the two films that we're discussing this week stuck up against uh, Apocalypse Now. I think I love Apocalypse Now. Um, mm. 
and it is probably my favorite Coppola movie. Um, Francis Ford, not Sophia. Yeah. Um, though actually, I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula this week, and uh, that film is a riot. <laughs> if you want to watch Francis Ford Coppola making straight up trash, oh, very enjoyable. Um, but I, I think Apocalypse Now is a really brilliant, really strange film. That yeah. I mean, it, it it has some problems of representation. I think it's very, very interesting that we've only really seen the Vietnam War even when it's being criticised for an American lens. Um, but that's very telling about the kind of cultures that we see in media anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, these movies are nothing compared to Apocalypse Now for me. Wow. Oh, like, interesting. I have the complete opposite take, which is that I don't mm. think Apocalypse Now is as good as these two movies. Because it's... it's it, what do you... What I remember from Apocalypse Now is I remember helicopters and I remember... I remember... I don't even know what I remember. I remember the... the I watched the extended take. I remember the, mm. the bit where he finds the French... The French family? That seems yeah, great. I remember that. That seems terrific. I remember terrific. the bit where he goes into the... Uh, is it a trench or a bunker or something? Yeah. And you just see these, like, completely monged out, like, soldiers, which is, like, something out of, like, a really hellish end of a house party or something it's really bizarre um so that that was like the, be- very the beginning freak out scenes where he's just like throwing himself around a room and like cutting himself on glass and just like drunk and out of his head and then gets pulled in by harrison ford to go on this mission and it's just this slow linear progression into madness that just has this zenith of the most bizarre performance from a previously like titan of cinema who I don't even know if he's good in this movie or not. No, I don't think he is. Marlon Brando seems a... I'm sorry, this is gonna this is gonna sound like I'm um, just complete like for this time, but I thought they're terrible. I but they, they I don't know. It's, I, it's not... I, I agree formalistically, <laughs> but what I think kind the of is pricks the back of your neck. There's like a creepiness to it. There is a creepiness to it, but I think it's really uncompelling. I think if anything, but the Dennis Hopper boring. is there being amazing. You've got the Dennis Hopper as the photographer just being yeah. wild. Actually, yeah, no, I like the photographer, yeah. That was, yeah, that was interesting. I was like, man, you know what? He's this crazy guy. I'm like, Dennis like, Hopper be in every movie. Again, a bit of a, like, um, I don't know, kind of cultural zeitgeisty thing, which I, I don't know how much it really adds to the thing. Um, what I would, what I was going to say is that I think that Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. is like, together with, like, Star Wars, it's like the birth of the blockbuster film for me. There's, mm. like, for me, there's, like, a weird delineation between, The birth like, of the prestige blockbuster. Because I think a lot of people say that Apocalypse Now is like the art the art house film with an unlimited bu- budget. If art house yeah. could get an unlimited budget, it would be Apocalypse Now. But I don't think it is that at all. I think it's like just it's like the the archetype of the blockbuster. Yeah, I but think because like the, what's the uh, what's the main character's name? Michael Sheen is it Michael Sheen's character? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Martin I, Sheen's. Anyway, so I'm, that, I'm so bad at delay, names of characters. Between Martin Sheen's character and like. A Captain America in a Marvel film. For me, there's like a direct line. For I know, that, but Captain America reason. isn't an alcoholic that's just like breaking stuff around a room and is like confronting his soul. I, don't, I mean, like, there's bits of anti-heroism throughout the Marvel films. If you watch, if you like watch some of them, you'll see that I've there is. I've seen almost all of those movies. Almost all of them. <laughs> Do you not know? What I mean, am I just completely talking about something which is makes like, no sense? I don't know, like, because it it is. It's heart. It's heart of darkness, which I prefer it to heart of darkness. Um, 
What, the novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really? You prefer Apocalypse Now to Heart of Darkness? Hey, I prefer Spec Ops The Line to <laughs> either of them, I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, so, we've totally ruined our, like, cultural credentials in this uh, episode, so let's... Hey, I haven't. People love Apocalypse Now, all right? <laughs> hey, the documentary Hearts of Darkness, I'll take oh, above all of them. that's amazing. I'll take I'll, that one. I'll, I'll take that one. Still, that's yeah, number exactly. one. Number one yeah, with yeah. a bullet, like, yeah. <laughs> Apocalypse Now's great. I just think, like, okay, so I think what Apocalypse Now is, is like... It's got um, a great title. It's a testament. It, no, it's like the the metaphorical manifestation of Francis Ford Coppola's ego. Yeah. It's like his ego, the film. Only a complete megalomaniac can commission a nation state's army whilst it is in the middle of a <laughs> civil war. You know I mean? Like, it's just like, how do you get the confidence to do I that? I feel That's that there insane. are three films um, at play here, because I think Deer Hunter is, is, is that as well, of like, Deer Hunter is just pure ego, yeah. um, and I feel that Apocalypse Now is pure ego, and the other one is our boy Werner Herzog with Fitzgerald. It's like, <laughs> it's this, and I don't know, two of those movies, I think, I mean, all three of these movies, on a objective level, should not have been made, and are yeah. exploitative to actual real people. However, yeah. two of them are good. Which ones? <laughs> <laughs> I think we know. Um, <laughs> Apocalypse Now and Fitzgerald are very good movies. Mm. I guess I want my human suffering to be worth it. Make yeah. be- make better art with your um, with your crap, please. <laughs> There's a bit of me that just thinks I think it's very difficult to make something truly like impressive or amazing if if you're mm. not a complete maniac. Um. And if you're not a Michael Cimino or like a Coppola or whatever, or, for or a certain or type of movie, like you have to yes. kind of like go against the gra- the, the like grain of I don't know, just like self consciousness or whatever, to like an extreme degree mm. to get to that stage where you're like, I don't care what the studio, t- I don't care what anyone is selling me, like I don't care the fact that I'm being like most exploitative, like tyrannical person, but like I'm gonna make something which is really like like a cultural artifact which is just like transcending all that stuff so i don't know it's, the cultural yeah. cachet stuff's really interesting there because it goes back to how directors are talked about where chimino and herzog and coppola are lauded for being um challenging and Hodorowsky yeah, 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 as yeah. well yeah. and yeah. i don't know if you're familiar with lynn ramsey's films at all not really um i've seen all i mean she is one of the best filmmakers working at the moment she makes few films and they are all fantastic and they're absolutely brilliant and you hear her talked about and because she's a woman people go oh she's a difficult filmmaker oh, no, or she's yes. hard to work with yes i've heard this actually and I remember like, seeing a video about this yeah it's because she was going to make lovely bones and then they didn't want to make the movie that she wanted to make. And she was like, well, I'm not making it then. And she made, we need to talk about Kevin instead, which is a great movie. Yeah. And there's a sense of all which she was difficult. I'm like, if this was Chimino, if this was Coppola, you'd be throwing more money at them. She'd be like, oh, this beautiful artistic madness. Keep going, <laughs> keep going. I always say one thing. After watching the Heaven's Gate documentary, that's not really how it went down. Like, there were plenty of people telling Chimino, <laughs> just like, can you just, like, stop wasting yeah, I... so much money? It's like a million dollars per minute. Yeah, true. I, I, I guess it's right the now. cultural like, view like, of okay, them. All right. So, anyway, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. With they you still see that, he's an artist. They're still like, yeah. oh, an yeah, artistic yeah. soul. No, absolutely. Like, seems yeah, like there's, a dick, there's but... a real asymmetry in the way that she's treated. Um. So, 
going back to the film that we were supposed to be talking about. Um, it's not my fault, dear. It's not very good. You don't know much to say about it. It did win five Oscars. <laughs> mm, so Titanic won 11. <laughs> That's true. Return of the King won 11 and Ben-Hur won 11. Do you know what combines true, yeah. all three of those movies? Movies that I think are okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. You know what? Of those three movies, the best one's Return of the King. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's uh, my yeah. least favorite Lord of the Rings film. Another megalomaniac, oh, Peter, Peter Jackson. Have oh, you seen that Peter documentary where awesome. they the, the making of the Hobbit, where they because um, there, there was a huge labor dispute when they were making that. Mm. There's something really, you you will love this. Like okay. it's a really interesting take on the whole thing. But basically, um, it was um, so when they were shooting the Hobbit. I think there was like a big kind of entertainment industry industrial action thing going on. I don't remember if the writer's strike was going on at the same time in like Hollywood. But anyway, at the I very least, that was before, was, but maybe there was a big like industrial action thing, at least in New Zealand, with mm. their entertainment industry, especially all the like you know crew and the people who contribute to making the films. The hobbits and the orcs, yes. Exactly. So there was like a huge showdown between Peter Jackson and the production companies that were actually hired to make. Uh, the Hobbit, uh, and then like for some reason, like the government of New Zealand got involved because it's obviously like a huge cultural yeah. thing, anyway. So yeah, and then like eventually, what happened was that the big studio, the big American studio that was like backing the Hobbit, is it Warner Brothers? I, New Line? Yeah, New Line. One of those. I don't know. Anyway, some, so some, I think it, some I think it people with some money. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so the, basically, the whole outcome of this thing was that. Labour laws were fundamentally fundamentally changed in New Zealand oh. to favour this huge studio, and like Gosh. there was a big kind of thing about it. So yeah, watch that documentary. I'm gonna. I should. Title. I, Peter uh, Jackson is someone who I loved, and my favourite Peter Jackson movies are none of the ones people have heard of. Like Peter Jackson's first few movies were these just oh, yeah, outrageous no, I, horror movies, and they're yeah. so good. He made the bloodiest film in terms of actual blood use of all time. Um, and it's awesome. Watch Brain Dead. It's such a good movie. Watch Bad Taste. It's a great movie. And then he made the Lord of the Rings films, which is hilarious. Yeah, you can see a bit of a bit of those films. I mean, you can. You can. In the same way that you can see the Evil Dead in Spider Man. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh man, the, Sp- the Sam Raimi Spider Man films. Recently, I was just like seeing clips of that. Those those are some wild films. <laughs> Sam Raimi is great. I love Sam Raimi. Make more movies, Sam Raimi. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch Sam Raimi's The Deer Hunter. Well, it'd have Bruce Campbell in it. Yeah. Maybe a Cohen at some point. I don't know. Um, so we're we gonna attempt to rate these films. Yeah. All right, you go first. I'm so torn. Like I just, cause. Hmm. There's, I do find some some parts really compelling, like in the same way that I find some of my favourite films really compelling. I'm glad that you so, find some of your favourite films really compelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. Yeah, be a bit contrarian and say Deer Hunter maybe like a four stars. It's not five. I'm happy with that. <laughs> like. Coming home, I'm going to give two stars just because, like, yeah, it's just I thought it all the themes mm. that it was touching on, it what it did was completely new to them. 
into this like I, I, I do agree. It's por- like porridge of like counterculture. You're not you're not really sure what you're seeing. It reminds um, me of Steven Spielberg's The Post, which I really didn't like. Mm. Of wants oh, to yes, pre- yeah, yeah. present yeah. these very important exactly. counterculture it's, moments. It's Spiel Spielberg guys. Spiel- Spielbergian. Yeah, it yeah. is. It doesn't understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has that. no want to represent or to be a part of the world it is ostensibly about, mm. and yes. doesn't understand it, but knows that it's important and that a film should be made about it. Exactly. People will pay money to see the film. I think is the only real, mm. like, thing that the film is interested in because it's a it's a zeitgeisty thing, right? Yeah. So that yeah. So that's why it's like mm, I'm sure about this film. Um, I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> On the other hand, I'm going to give two stars to The Deer Hunter. It gets an extra star because some of it is well made technically. Um, and... it's, pretty, look, it's pretty well made. The film is like, no. no it's, not it's, really... it's a technical achievement. <laughs> if, 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 um, not in storytelling, that's for sure. Um, and I'm going to give a generous, because we don't do half stars, a generous three stars to Coming Home because I like what it's doing. I don't like how it's doing it, and I think the beginning yeah. and ending are very good. Yeah. But the middle is a mess. Mm. But that's the same for many of us. You know, we get a bit saggy in the middle. When you get older, <laughs> you know, it's it's a few decades old. When I'm as old as coming home, I will be saggy in the middle. Mm. <laughs> and I hope that it can forgive me. <laughs> that's an uh, interesting metaphorical take. Thank you. Thank you. Um. <laughs> when I come home, I, I was disappointed when I realised that the title of that movie was very literal. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true. When it, I thought it was about the coming home of soldiers in general, which is why I liked the opening twenty minutes so much. I was like, oh, this is about what it's done to people, and I was like, no, it's about one dude coming home to find out that his wife has been screwing somebody. Mm. Not as compelling to me, but you know. <laughs> well, that summary, do. I don't think that summary does the film justice. But like, let's just <laughs> I mean... let's leave it at that. I think. <laughs> Um, so there you go that is our Vietnam showdown in which we concluded that Halloween was the best of the Vietnam movies yes yeah. <laughs> um, so there you go um, watch Halloween which I'm sure you have done everybody um, 